learned that death is not the end of the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. I was hoping you'd be back. of very expensive U.S. military aircrafts <laughs> flying by in the most beautiful, you know, uh, tw- what do they call it? Twilight hour. Yeah, the magic whatever. hour. The magic, the magic hour. hour. Uh, just beautifully sunbathed U.S. military propaganda. And you know what? That beautiful music makes it go down so smooth. You don't even <laughs> care. Uh, in fact, I'm joining the goddamn Navy after watching <laughs> Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick in quick succession. I I didn't even have a song parody to do at the beginning. I just wanted you to just, hear both you just those wanted songs. To bathe in it. You just wanted. I to wanted let to it bathe in it. <laughs> so that was a little bit like the opening of Top Gun in that it was the main theme from the score, but. It was not the opening credits version of the theme. That was the Top Gun anthem, which is kind of like the single version of uh-huh. that song. With like basically the, the guitar comes in in this version, and in the opening credits, it's not. There's no guitar until Danger Zone comes in. Uh, so I tried to emulate that, but I wanted that guitar riff. So I did. I did my own take on uh, Top Gun. If you the want, opening like theme. the the at least for me, the new flash version, you have to keep zooming in on the plane. And then in the pilot seat, there's a sort of fat guy in a Jennifer's body t-shirt. And that's me. <laughs> I'm going, I don't Jesse. know how to, I don't know how to work this stuff. <laughs> What's going on. It's Jesse and he's flying the plane. And, uh, this is your <laughs> captain speaking. Um, <laughs> if you look on your left, you'll see Watto for some reason. We painted <laughs> Watto on the wing. That's right. Um, Can I be like be my call? I don't think that's not good enough. What do you have a call name? Like what's your what's painted on oh your Oh my god. Name? Well, 100% your call sign is Watto. Um <laughs> I don't have one. I mean, I guess I technically when I went to the press screening of Top Gun Maverick earlier this week, they had a QR code on the right, screen right. that was like take a, you know, take take this click this link and it's like a front facing camera thing. And it was like, you know, a live feed of my face. And they put a, uh, a top gun helmet on my head, had me answer a few questions and it gave me a call sign. And my call sign was Cobra, but we, <laughs> I we feel can like do that's better a little, that's that. a little lazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little lazy. If you want to <laughs> give me a call sign, uh, 
at me. My call sign on Twitter is at Brett Redacted. Uh, Jesse's call sign on Twitter is at Rock Marooned. And this is the New Flesh Podcast, a podcast about horror movies, scary movies, and all things tangentially related to horror movies and the horror lifestyle, which this week we're stretching it very thin. We're stretching the premise of the pod thin so we can talk about Tom Cruise, the last movie star, question mark, um, and Top Gun Maverick, which is such an event that I feel like we have to talk about it. It is Friday as of this recording, and we only know the preview numbers from Thursday, which are kind of cheats because they also include Tuesday night uh, because they did they did preview screenings on Tuesday as well as Thursday. Cooking the but books. Top- they're cooking the books already, but it technically is like the biggest opening Paramount's ever had uh, or something like that. Some bullshit metric. But basically, it's opening very well and will probably open with over $100 million in the four-day. Almost certainly in the four-day, but it might even do $100 million in a three-day and like 125 in the four-day. We'll see on Monday. But basically, uh, round of applause, everybody, for Jesse. Uh, because Jesse called this on the podcast, I believe, last week, as I was like, it can't possibly be a huge thing, is it? And you're like, oh, no, it's going to be huge. And it is performing. It looks like it's going to perform like a Marvel movie, kind of. But like, I guess to a lesser degree, um, it's going to open big. And we, and we like that. It's gonna now. There's gonna be six Top Guns a year for the next ten years. Yeah, I was just talking to my wife about. I'm like, what lesson? What wrong lessons is Hollywood gonna take from this? <laughs> We're gonna get 36 year late sequels to all the movies from uh, what year was that? 1984. <laughs> yeah, it's 86. They're gonna 86. go. They're gonna go. Miles Teller, he's back, <laughs> and cast him and everything. Yeah, Top Gun Rooster. <laughs> The Top Gun Rooster is definitely coming. Yeah. Um, we're talking Top Gun Maverick. Jesse and I have, I don't want to say opposing takes, but we have different takes on the movie. Uh, and before we get to Top Gun, which will be the only main event, there is a Patreon bonus episode out now on Chippendale Rescue Rangers, a movie that uh, is on Disney Plus that I think is a total dereliction of duty that it's not in theaters. It's totally stupid on Maybe even more so than Turning Red, but maybe not. I don't know. It, Disney's leaving money on the table as they are wont to do in the age of streaming because they make so much goddamn money. Who cares about the theatrical pile, even though I would like to have it. Can I have it? I'll release these movies theatrically. I'll distribute <laughs> them. I'll run around town with the prints. Uh, whatever you need me to do. Um, that is a bonus on Patreon. But more exciting... I did, in fact, talk to James Wan on the malignant 4K uh, release press day, which was this week, because the movie is now on 4K as of Tuesday. Uh, So as of this podcast, you can buy it now. Uh, Malignant's on 4K. You should buy it. It looks great. This is my official endorsement. But I spoke with James Wan for 13 or or so minutes as part of like a junket. And it was a blast. And he got to... He met my cat because my cat was in the frame. Uh, It was a delight. I got some good quotes that will be running in Yahoo uh, later in the week. But man, I'm breaking all the rules here and putting the raw feed audio on the Patreon of me talking to James Wan. If that's something that you're interested in, sorry that I'm not putting on the main feed, but I only I'm doing this a because we love you, uh, flesh heads and Patreon fans. 
uh, we appreciate you and we want to reward you. But also, this is illicit behavior on my part, and I should not be doing this. <laughs> so you have to get on the Patreon to listen to that. But it's there right now. You should listen to it. It's great. A lot of fun. Uh, what's going on, Jesse? Not too much. Uh, I wanted to actually give a kind of a shout out to um, uh, Sam Goldowitz, who's one of our listeners, who contacted me on LinkedIn just to say that he liked the podcast, which means he is now the only good message I've ever gotten on LinkedIn. <laughs> so Single-handedly really turning my opinion of LinkedIn around. LinkedIn sounds yeah. like a great platform. I love everything that they're doing. Yeah. Um, they're connecting people uh, of the ilk, of the horror lifestyle. That's so nice. Yeah, it's very was, nice. Was I don't know why he, are you not on? Are you not on LinkedIn? Why? Why did he? I mean, I'm, he, tec- uh... I'm technically on there. Maybe I have some messages that are nice in there. <laughs> uh, last time I checked, they were just, I would Fox, say, right. <laughs> disrespectful job offers. Uh, <laughs> job offers that I love that uh, description. Yeah, ones that are like, hey, here's this description. It sounds like a perfect fit for you. We pay an exposure. Like, please respond. Uh, yeah, very not a fan of what's in my LinkedIn inbox, but I haven't updated my profile in years because I'm very happy at my job. So uh, that maybe that's on me. Maybe I got to update my shit. But that's great to hear. Shout out to the new flesh. What was his name? Sam Goldowitz. Good man. Uh, and thorough. That's what I always say. <laughs> uh, well, I will also talk a little bit about the Bob's Burgers movie on the Patreon uh, on the Chip and Dale episode. I don't think Jesse has seen it yet. I'm not. I'm um, gonna go next weekend. Gonna take the family. Is it fam? Can I ask you now? Is it family for my six-year-old? Is it gonna be raise disturbing questions that I don't um, want to answer? There's maybe one scene that I would describe as honestly, like they ripped a joke straight from Drag Me to Hell. Like it's like a body <laughs> horror gag. Um, <laughs> oh, there's okay. one. <laughs> there's one moment that I would say is like scary, maybe. But no, it, it's totally okay. fine. It's very cool. family friendly, and I I thought very funny, and I think. Like, I wonder what a child's perspective is on that show and what they would find funny about yeah, it. I, like, I have a, 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 we have a good friends who have uh, two daughters. One's a little older than my kid and, and one is um, a bit younger. And they all watch it together and, and really, actually one of them is even vision impaired and, 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 wa- and they like watch it as a family. Um, and the, like the descriptive, I think. And they really they love it as a, and like they're, you know, I, like, you know, they're not like, uh, strange children <laughs> it's not like, not like strange precocious like yeah uh, uh, i can't watch sesame street or i can't watch frozen type of kids like they just one of the things they like have mixed into their routine and they really like it and that, so that made I mean, me think I, oh should i be watching this with my kid this i know it's like a I, little bit pg-13 kind of but well, like some of it definitely is but like a lot of the humor i think that would make you and i laugh are the same jokes that would make your daughter laugh like they're very like truly the kid one of the kids is just eugene merman doing like fart noises on like yeah yeah i have have seen the show a bit i just never i just kind of lost track of it after the kid was born not not i liked it i just never you know there's a lot of seasons of it it's a lot to keep up with um yeah i've seen like the first couple i think it started when i was in college or something and i definitely watched it but i haven't kept up with it and i quite enjoyed the movie spoiler alert great i'm Um, excited yeah, I think you will like it. I'm very fascinated. We gotta get we gotta get Jesse's kid on the pod to talk about the Boss Burgers movie. Another Patreon exclusive. You gotta pay thirty dollars for that. I just decided. <laughs> That's right. And she gets all the money. That's right. <laughs> She's just it gonna waste to her Pokemon. I was gonna say it's gonna go to her college fund. J.K. She has to spend it on whatever trivial bullshit kids are buying now, <laughs> which is does she have a lot of NFTs? <laughs> 
Um, I'm trying to think of what, what, what NFT could stand for that would actually mean Pokemon, but I'm blanking on the names. <laughs> <laughs> so I have so many, I have two binders in my childhood home filled with first gen Pokemon cards. They're probably so, worth a fair amount of money. Uh, there's a few holographics that I think are, and we've sold, but I, okay. I mean, most of them are like energy cards and <laughs> a bunch <laughs> of bullshit, but yeah. I'm just fascinated. So those are still a thing and she buys those? She, I mean, she doesn't have, mo- I mean, she has a little money. The two things she's like ever bought. Well, she's about life. to start getting money. Yeah, exactly. When she gets Patreon. her Patreon money. She, she, uh, that'll be like a hundred percent increase in the amount of money she has. Actually, I think she has like a bank somewhere, a little piggy bank somewhere where she has like $300 from like some occasion. I like, when you started relatives. saying that, I'm like, where? Like the Swiss, the, yeah. the Swiss <laughs> yeah, Alps? The what do you mean? She has, a, yeah. she has a bank account somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hidden. Yeah. No, she, yeah. the two things she's spent money on in the past year were one Pokemon figure and mm. one pack of Pokemon cards. So I would say I'm afraid yeah. to ask. Is it like are the are the is the figure like do you know much about Pokemon? Like, is it post original 151? Uh, I believe I think it is. It's an I know it's an evolution of Eevee. Was Eevee around when you were? Eevee Pokemon? was around in the original. Yes. Okay. Well, this is an evolution of Eevee called that I always want to call Iceon, but it's called Glaceon. That's she likes Eevee is like her favorite. So she 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 her She's guiding factors. Yeah. Well, she just likes cuteness is sort of the guiding factor uh, in in her Pokemon appreciation. She hangs out with some boys at school who like also like Pokemon. That's the main reason she hangs out with these guys, and. They're always like, we want the ones who are like kick ass and like take away health points. And she's like, I just like the ones that are like aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> like the ones that have the little, she has a fluffy mane. Yeah. <laughs> that's Evie's, what I, I mean, like no, about She, she is adorable. She's great. Um, but that's mainly, yeah, kids are still really into Pokemon. Uh, that's actually I, really nice to hear. I, yeah, it's kind of neat. It, it, it was apparently caused some, you know, during the pandemic, there were like problems at Target because of a, a weirdo adult collectors storming targets and like buying up all the cards and fighting each other or some shit it's so that stupid. was me you can find me on ebay at uh <laughs> ev guy 31 or whatever um so i'm looking at the pokedex online which is very helpful and ev i'm blown away right now because i never even considered that when they started adding pokemon after the original 151 uh-huh. i just assumed like a buffoon that <laughs> they were just wholesale adding new Pokemon. But what I'm learning from this chart is that they just added more evolutions to some as well. So oh. Eevee has, you know, I knew Eevee, like I believe she evolved in something called like Vaporon and then like Jolteon and Flareon yeah, Jolteon, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they stop. That's the only evolutions there are. And then post, then there's like, number 196 so this is past 151 there's espion and umbreon and leafeon and glaceon yes. and sylveon I, I believe eevee has the most evolutions that's like another feature of eevee is that i think that, why yeah. what is going on <laughs> what is going on in the world of pokemon that is eevee is so evolved yeah, I need it, to know. yeah it's very strange i, I need to I know just, all the is there are, is the show still on are there still movies some, what's going some on Jesse? show just hit netflix like some new show that they're a new doing show in, okay I mean, so, yeah some I show saw that, detective pikachu in the theater which was I know, she's, you know she still hasn't not seen for it. me 
no i didn't care for it either i don't i don't think it's just like oh it's a taste thing you know i'm not a kid or whatever i think it's legitimately not a very good kids movie like it's but i'm not. curious and to see like, how my kid reacts to it it's like is it trying to be kitty deadpool is anything with ryan reynolds that's what i think it's gonna it's doing it's just to um, me it's it's yeah it does have that weird problem where and we can talk about this on the bonus with chip and dale a bit yeah um, this should be bonus content yeah, by this, the way this really is what is. you get on the patreon <laughs> it's more pokemon talk <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know what, we, we should save it for the bonus. I'll just say, I think that the, the, the Pikachu movie, like, tries to be for kids and adults, and to me, does not really serve either audience very well. I'm sure some kids actually love it, and I'm sure my kid is going to love it, because it, she doesn't really need the whole movie to be really good. Like, she saw Sonic 2 with me, and, like, a lot of that movie is, like, objectively not that interesting for a child. Like, there's a 30-minute wedding sequence, although she seemed to find that funny. But, like, a lot of it's, like, this live-action dumbass is being annoying. But, like, there was just, like, enough Sonic and Tails that she was like, yeah, that was sufficient. Like, you know, they had Sonic, it had Tails. What's the, you know, what's the problem? Even though you would think she would much prefer a movie that's, like, Sonic and Tails all the time, she's fine with one that's just 40% Sonic and Tails. I think, similarly, Detective Pikachu, just by dint of having Pikachu and a bunch of Pokemon that look real, she's going to be like, holy fuck. That was fucking incredible. Start eating healthier. Sorry. An ad <laughs> anyway we'll talk about that it actually does relate to me to to chip and dale so i'm i'm eager to talk about that on the bonus guys turn this horseshit episode off on top <laughs> go straight to the bonus and go straight to the bonus patreon where we talk about all things why does evie evolve so much we have so <laughs> many pins in conversations to talk about there um but we're here to talk about top gun uh, and before we talk about that, we have to do the bits and pieces of horror news. Jesse, on the spot, music. Do you have a song for the bits uh, and pieces? Oh fuck! Uh, you know, I feel like it should be the Top Gun song, but I don't even. I don't. I'm not song. Not a Top Gun. Top Gun kid that I don't even know. I kind of know. Mm. You know, I know it when I hear it. Uh, so I don't know. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. I, I'm. Not very little sleep last night. <laughs> yeah. Well. We can talk about that. Bits and pieces. First bit and piece. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, what was it like? Surprise debuted at midnight last night. When was it supposed to come out? It, and it, it came was, out I mean, at it midnight. Was supposed, it was supposed to come out at three in the morning Eastern. Oh. And it came out at midnight Eastern. It was not uh, oh, a, goody. that big of a... So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice for the West Coast because they were supposed to get it at midnight and they got it at 9 p.m., which is entirely reasonable hour to be watching television. Um, uh, but... Quick Obi-Wan report. Jesse is writing about Obi-Wan Kenobi for Vulture, which is awesome uh how was first what is it two episodes yeah the first two episodes i mean i liked it it's i think I but just have to... caveat um yeah. um huge asterisk <laughs> jesse loves the prequels more I than do. anyone i love ever them met. so so much if anything it kind of i don't like i definitely don't like this as much as the prequels like it's nowhere near as good as that um which i realized are they it's hour just... long 40 minutes uh, or whatever the first it's the first one is close to an hour and the second one's like 40 minutes um, the, the Mandalorian and Boba Fett shows were more often closer to 40 minutes. So I imagine more of these will be in that zone. Although I kind of thought they would be longer because there's only six of them. Um, it's cool. It's fun. I mean, if you love Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan as I do, you'll probably enjoy it. I just have to really readjust. And I think probably a lot of people watching this, these shows have to, although some people don't seem to care that this is like, it's television. It's not big screen Star Wars and they can do cool stuff with special effects and it can be expensive and they can get the original actors but it's doesn't it doesn't it's not as good as like big screen Star Wars. I know some people probably like will like this more than the prequels, 
But to me, there's just a lot more imagination in those movies than there is on the show. The show is well, just a little, you know, it's a little workmanlike. It's a, it's a TV show, you know? It's not a I, movie. Yes. Can we talk about that? I mean, what's going on? There was that article that came out a few weeks ago that you were, and most pe- a lot of people were critical of the, I don't know, I would say the, what would you call those kind of quotes? Un- unchallenged quotes from like Kathleen yes. Kennedy being like, yeah, directors, you know, what I learned is this, you know, you got to have directors that have vision or whatever. She or said like, a bunch of horseshit. She said a bunch of horseshit more about, I mean, I, I like her fine. I don't, you know, those, the people who are really anti Kathleen Kennedy are mostly weirdos. Just misogynists but, who don't know what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she did say some horseshit about like, you know, she needs directors who like are need, need to be more dedicated or like loyal or whatever. Basically, she was kind of saying like it's kind of I don't think she meant to say this, but the implication was it's on the directors if anything didn't work before in these Star Wars things, because they were only willing to spend a year making this movie, <laughs> which to my mind is like a long time to spend on something. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, they really need like we really need like three to five year commitments. Uh, in this way that was completely oblivious to like if you ask for three to five year commitments you're not going to get like ryan johnson to make your movie you're not going to get like gareth edwards to make your movie you're going to get you know the 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 10th choice on the list or like john favreau i mean you're gonna get john favreau which is fine with her apparently because she thinks of john favreau as a fucking visionary uh which i think is the disconnect between me and a lot of star wars people (laughs) Um, my question is, you said like, you know, it's not a movie and the movies are better. Like, are they effectively, what's the next Star Wars movie that's coming? Like it's been, uh, it, there's nothing. When was, when was the last one? Is it, uh, was 20, it Rise of Skywalker? Yes. It was Rise of Skywalker in 2019. I think a lot of the things that they had once thought of as potential movies are now becoming shows, but that like stuff that I mean, like in the first wave of this, where like, there was like, oh yeah, they'll do a Boba Fett movie. They'll probably do an Obi-Wan movie. Now those are shows. Um, and they're going to try to do more kind of like fresh, ori- you know, original to the big screen stuff for the movies. Like they're not going to do, it doesn't sound like they're going to do like a Yoda movie. You know, they're going to do like a movie, you know, that continues forward after the set, the time of the sequels or, you know, whatever. I think like, she, I think she said Taika Waititi is working on one that seems like it might be the next one if it, if it goes forward. And it's set in the timeline of like, you know, kind of after the Rise of Skywalker, but it's not like episode 10 it's like other stuff going on in the galaxy then uh patty jenkins is working on rogue squadron which sounds like that is further off if it does happen um you know yeah there's a little teaser so you know it exists ostensibly yeah and there's like a i think um there's like one other one i think that's kicking around there's like they're they're a little it's gonna doesn't john watts have one a trilogy or is that the show now too i think watts is producing a show that's coming out it does seem like if they're if they have any doubt about anything they kind of shunt it over to the tv side and they're very i mean i get it they're very successful there's a lot of stories they want to tell and they don't they don't think everything like what does that mean successful like what does that mean anymore like they get like people watch them yeah i think people with disney plus i think it's a lot easier since they have so much fewer stuff it's very probably pretty clear to them that the marvel and star wars things sort of link together keep a lot of grown-ups signed up for that service you know what i mean like if you Mm -hmm. have one of those running at at most times like either a marvel or a star war uh which they didn't always and i think now is gonna that's gonna be the plan At, at any given time at least one if not two of those shows will be on it's like this bold network programming of two shows basically but like seriously you know they're event- enough of an event that like who who likes any of those things is gonna like cancel disney plus anytime in the next couple of years unless you were just really sick of it all in which case 
they don't you know you're probably not going to want to subscribe to disney plus anyway so i feel like disney plus there's a very clear like yeah if that's the only place you can get star wars like for a couple years they're going to get a lot of subscribers and then in five years they'll probably have the netflix problem of like well we have the most possible subscribers and now people are not subscribing anymore <laughs> so it's kind of a dead end but for now i'm sure they're attracting more people who like want to watch star wars that's if you want to watch a star wars thing in the next you know there's not gonna be a movie for another two years probably uh at, at, at least so like if you want to watch star wars like that's something that's new that you gotta, is so you gotta... frustrating to me as a person who only really wants to watch these things in theaters and doesn't care at all about the tv shows and will not yeah. watch them for the most part yeah they don't very want you frustrating to pay, they want you to rent and, it <laughs> well yeah they want first of all they and like the i know what's going to happen is like they're going to do it like they do marvel where it's like well, the new thing that's coming is is coming to theaters, but you have to have seen all this other horse shit to understand it, <laughs> and that's gonna annoy me if that ever happens. But like, I was, the, yeah, the Star Wars yeah. stuff is a little less interrelated right now. It may yet, right? I'll say like, now, yeah. yeah. The, like the Obi Wan thing, I was you know looking at it. I was like, oh yeah, you don't like they give you a recap of the prequel. It's like they do a previously on at the beginning, and it's just you know the, it's the prequel low like, rent. Up yeah <laughs> um but you also don't previously have... on obi-wan kenobi this yeah, sounds like a parody like they don't the they don't actually say on? that they just do like i know a little, like, i'm you just know, they just show that they show that they they play all the hits from the uh, but you don't have to if like if you didn't see the book of boba fett there's nothing about obi-wan the kenobi the will, four most can, beautiful words in the you. english language <laughs> next week on wado <laughs> oh man i've been on one feature of my recaps on a vulture that i'm surprised they didn't cut out but i'm delighted that they just let me go with it is wado watch every episode i'm gonna have a little section where i say is wado in this and the answer are, so are far you is scouring been... the background to be like is he perhaps in this scene like I, you gotta I, be on your toes they might yeah, slip yeah, exactly. wado in. I, I will be i will be paying a lot of attention to anything that could be perceived as wado all right. Hashtag Wado watch. If you see Wado in an episode of anything on Disney plus, this is not limited to star Wars. If Wado pops up in anything, hashtag Wado watch at rock maroon at Brett redacted at the new flesh podcast. We're going to start collecting these. <laughs> um, not a lot of news this week. Uh, other than iconic actor Ray Liotta dying uh, last Thursday, which is just devastating. He passed away in his sleep in the Dominican Republic. No foul play. Just a man at the age of 67 um, falling asleep and not waking up and dying peacefully. As far as I understand, we don't know anything else. Um, Everyone knows Ray Liotta from hundreds of movies. Most known for gotta be martin scorsese's goodfellas in 90 oh yes muppets <laughs> most wanted um where he did great press talking about having sex with miss piggy and all this great stuff um martin scorsese's goodfellas back in 1990 definitely a breakout role for him uh a year after field of dreams i believe that was uh i just watched two i had never seen from the 90s last night that are on streaming or actually one of them is not streaming famously i had to just like google it to find it uh, no Escape, which was the one that's not scre- streaming. It's just like a future prisoners, uh, prisoners uh, on a not a, on a different planet, but like an island, and uh, shit goes down. It's like a, the same year that Con Air came out. Another movie came out about prisoners on a plane, yeah, uh, called No Escape, and then Turbulence, which is on Prime Video, which I really liked. Uh, Dre Liotta playing like a role that feels like it should be like a JCVD or like an Arnold or like a Chuck Norris. 
and it's delightful. Um, and if we're talking about hashtag horror lifestyle, one of my in, iconic images in my head of Ray Liotta is him with his brain sticking out of his head, <laughs> getting fed his own brain, I believe. Yes, mm-hmm. correct. Um, in 2001's Hannibal, Ridley Scott's Hannibal, a movie that I'm sure Jesse, along with the rest of the world, does not appreciate. But <laughs> I kind of like it's OK. It's, it's I like great. it enough to have bought the 4K when it came out. And you <laughs> know what I have to say to anyone who says it's not good? Would Kino Lorber have put it out if it weren't good? <laughs> Kino Lorber is like a very fancy, you know, boutique uh, Blu-ray label. And they put that movie out, which delights me to no end. Well, I um, guess that that settles it, doesn't it? That does, doesn't it? So everyone, the tractors step off. Ridley Scott <laughs> does not make bad movies. Almost always, except House of Gucci is accepted. Bad movie. Um <laughs> House of Gucci. <laughs> um, so earlier this year, I guess January 1 of this year, Winnie the Pooh officially slipped into the public domain, which means that now anybody can make a Winnie the Pooh anything, a comic, a book, a movie, and just put it out there. So I'm here to announce the New Flesh Podcast's <laughs> Winnie the Pooh horror movie. I'm just kidding. But there is a Winnie the Pooh horror movie that somebody beat us to. The Bastards. Ugh. And it's called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. They smartly released a few very goofy images from the movie that include their take on what Winnie the Pooh as a horror character looks like. And there's a pig horror character that looks even lower rent. <laughs> um, it doesn't look great, but I just had to point out it exists everywhere. This is one of those like viral horror stories that everyone shares with me because we talk about horror all the time. I thought for I honestly th- I saw that and honestly thought it was like someone's funny, you know, yuck yuck, you know, Reddit uh, spoof like you know? pitch. I mean, it seems like a spoofy thing, but they actually made it. Um, okay, it's definitely low rent and cheap, but they're doing it. God bless them. Uh, if whoever the studio that owns Winnie the Pooh had any balls they would actually do this the right way, like Willy's Wonderland style. I mean, that's not the right way either, but you know what I mean. They would take the property and be like, yeah, let's do an R-rated take on Winnie the Pooh, the thing that everybody's clamoring for, you know? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, the biggest news of the week besides R.I.P. Ray Liotta is that X is now on Blu-ray, and I bought it uh, right before Jesse and I saw... Sorry. Sorry I bought Blue... (laughs) Sorry I bought X on Blu-ray, car. Um... (laughs) I bought it at Best Buy in person in real life right before I saw the new David Cronenberg film, Crimes of the Future, with Jesse and a bunch of other people, including a snoring man behind us. (laughs) Um, Ty West X, you can buy it now. There's no really special features on the Blu-ray. No commentary or anything. Are we waiting for the criterion of that one, then? We sure are. (laughs) Um, I also... I got Godzilla versus Kong on 4K because it was cheap and it actually has an Adam Wingard commentary. Uh, so I'm actually fascinated by that. That's just an aside. Um, Jodie Foster is going to star in True Detective season four. It's called True Detective Night Country. What do we know about it? Issa Lopez <laughs> is on board to write the new season. She did the Tigers Are Not Afraid thing at Shudder, which I did not care for. Um, Barry Jenkins is producing. It's the show's first season without creator Nick Pizzolatto and uh, Matthew McConaughey and Woody are still producing. Jodie Foster's now also executive producing. The show started in 2014. This is its fourth season. It's an anthology show. Enough of all that. Um, Jesse, 
I didn't tell you we were going to do this, but it's the middle of the show, so it's time for... Uh... <laughs> Imagine Jesse and I holding each other tenderly at yes. the, the magic hour. Top Gun's good. Yeah, if Top Gun's gonna stop the movie dead and do that, <laughs> so are yeah. we. That's right. Uh, and that's a perfect segue into Top Gun Maverick, which uh, I'm so tempted to just play the opening music again because that's what <laughs> Top Gun Maverick does is basically just recreate the opening scene. The only difference is I'm not sure if the font's different. It feels like it might be a little updated, but it's the same shots of things. But like now, it's the modern aircrafts. Like I know aviation experts and naval experts and stuff i saw gushing over that like oh they redid the top gun scene but with new new military shit oh so cool uh i don't care about the military stuff but it is cool and i love the song i love hearing the song i my wife and i saw it together and i was like if that opens with you know the score and then danger zone i'm gonna be delighted and (laughs) it sure fucking did um, and that kind of set the tone for the night for me. I think this is this movie is a delight. You should go see it in theaters. See it in as big a theater as you can uh, with a crowd. See it on an IMAX screen. See it loud. See it big. It's a real movie with real movie stars and real stunts and real U.S. military propaganda that we'll talk about uh, how that affects our view of the movie or not. Um, it's I think it's great with the asterisk that like i'm very aware that this movie is doing like the same thing that a lot of similar remake uh remake wolves if you want to call it that or like late period 30 plus year later sequels do um this movie just for me shows how forgiving we are or at least at least i am if you put in even the you know just put in the effort to make a movie like, you know, they actually shot the stunts and stuff. If you put in the effort, we are forgiving of the fact that you are just doing very silly, pandering, fan y things. Like, I know, I am aware that this movie is so silly and that it's really just, there's not a lot to it. And I think I, we'll talk about that. But it's such a crowd-pleasing thing to see in a movie theater in 2022 especially after something like dr strange makes all this money and is honestly to me just like a garish looking marvel movie even if it has like that little bit of raimi flair it's still so nice to see this movie in a theater it was a delight um i'll get more critical in a bit but jesse what was your initial reaction i know you're a little um annoyed by the mostly very positive reaction 
I guess it's not even, you know, it's nothing, no one's individual reaction so much as the lack of dissent on this movie is, you know, the same way that actually with a lot of the Marvel movies, uh, now that there's built up enough resistance that <laughs> there's, you can find lots of people on Twitter, even if they're not the ones reviewing the movies, a lot of film people or critics who maybe aren't assigned to it or just don't bother with it because they are find it annoying or whatever. And I feel like that's healthy, even though I enjoy those movies. I think it's healthy to have some people saying like, yeah, calm down. These aren't like, uh, I sound like fucking Jeff Wells. That sounds awful. Calm down. Um, but like, you know, the people who are just like able to take these things as a little more of a like, yeah, it's fun, but like, let's not go nuts here. Um, and look, Top Gun, the first one, I really don't care for at all. I think it's so boring. I didn't catch up with it until much later, but I love Cruise and I love Tony Scott. So it's not any kind of, you know, antipathy towards those guys, but it's so dull. Nothing happens in it. It looks great, but it doesn't even have that kind of Tony Scott later period stuff. I like more the kind of flashy, you know, kind of more stroby, like smeary green period stuff that I really dig. Um I just found it so dull. And like, I like Cruise more in, you know, even in like, you know, especially in Color of Money, which came out the same year. Even Days of Thunder, I feel like is a little more upfront about his character being an asshole. So I kind of enjoy it more. And Cocktail is just like dumb and ridiculous in a way that I was like, who cares what this movie, if this movie is bad. Whereas Top Gun, people seem to really feel something for it. And I don't understand why. That said, went into Top Gun 2, not, you know, feeling sold on like, I wasn't excited about the idea of Cruise doing Top Gun 2. But I did enjoy it. It's much better than the first one. It, I, I don't mean that Joseph Kaczynski is a better director than Tony Scott, but I think he's better for this material. Um, it's, you know, it's very cleanly shot. It looks great. It looks great on a big screen. I wish I'd seen it in a real IMAX instead of the, the fake IMAX at 42nd Street. But even on the fake IMAX, it looked cool. Yeah, I saw um, it in Dolby. Oh, yeah, that'll, it'll look cool there, too. I'm like encouraging Marissa to go see it. I think she's in the uh, in the real IMAX. I think she got a ticket to see real IMAX. So it's like a well-mounted thing. And it's a better thriller, even like in terms of like action-y stuff. The climax is a little more of a real action climax than the first one. It really just, as we will talk about, hilariously remakes the climax of Star Wars um, in terms of like giving them a difficult, uh, you know, bomber run, basically, to, to do. So, you know... It is, I would recommend seeing it in a movie theater. It's a good time. It's a nice big movie. The money's on the screen. Cruise is on the screen. But I'm a little mystified by the reaction because it really it's feels... It's getting the, a royal pass, for sure, from a lot yes. of people. I think Not a lot of it is genuine. Pass, raves. Yeah. Raves. Yeah. That's the kind of thing. I think a lot of the raves like. are genuine, but a lot of them read as just like, isn't it nice to see a movie like this again? Yeah, which is how and I like, feel. Yeah, and sure, it is. But like, it just, I know it's been a while. It's been a little while. Like, I was kind of questioning people on Twitter. Like, why are people so, like, goofy about this? And I didn't say it like that. But, and people were sort of hypothesizing. And they were like, oh, you know, it's, it's been a long time since it's even like a cruise movie or a nice big, like, expensive movie that looks great. And like, I guess it has been, especially because of the pandemic. And this movie was supposed to come out in like 2020 and it was shot even earlier. It probably yes, could have been come sitting out in on late a 2019. Shelf. Yeah, it's uh, been sitting yeah. on a shelf for years. It hasn't changed. It's just been done. Uh, but I don't know. Like, to me, Mission Impossible Fallout was not that long ago, maybe because I'm an old person. So I would just rather. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the next Mission Impossible. Those kind of do more what I'm looking for from Top Gun, where it's like big stunts, practical effects great stunt team crews doing crazy shit, you know, big locations shot on location, see the money on the screen, eye popping, etc. Totally with you for mission impossible and all that. 
I think it's weird that Top Gun Maverick has been sort of rolled into that and sort of in the process described as like at least as good, but also having this great emotional component, which to me is fairly laughable. I didn't like there's like little notes of regret or humanity that, that seep into this movie, certainly more so than the first one. But the idea that it's like really saying anything or even like, you know, I, get, I mean, I can't argue if people felt something watching this movie and felt moved by it. But I always just kind of want to be like moved by what exactly? Like if the movie's about Maverick being a little older, a little wiser and still awesome at anything. What does Maverick go through in this movie? Really? Like he kind of just has his own awesomeness hey, reinforced. His fucking <laughs> friend died 36 years ago. You yeah, watch him like, out. Isn't the first movie about that? I've also found that confusing. I was like, isn't this thing that he's dealing with that actually the plot oh, of yeah. the first movie? That's what I mean. And <laughs> that we're forgiving of this movie in that it's the same movie. It's not, there's nothing really different. They just kind of updated in that Tom Cruise is the character you remember. He's as much, you know, the time has passed since the last movie. And now he's back in the same place he was to teach a new generation, which, yeah. you know, as Bilga wrote about, takes on this like meta narrative of like Tom Cruise's. What, what would you say about that stuff? About the meta narrative of Tom Cruise's last movie star and the industry changing and yeah, you know, every, everyone keeps saying to Maverick, you're an, oh, you're a dying breed and you're going extinct and all that. And Cruise clearly has internalized that or now externalized how he feels internally. Uh, say yeah yeah i am the last guy who still wants to get in the actual plane and learn to fly a helicopter for a movie and fun to watch this the same week as the david cronenberg movie which i think is another director or like that's a case of a director feeling that way and this yeah. is a movie where like an actor's saying like you know they don't make them like they used to and i'm and i'm thank god i'm around to do it well like Cron yeah cronenberg's thing is feels to me more like they don't I, they don't make them like they used to and neither do i and what and how could i because you know like it's like so much because the world is changing and now yeah. like I, if you wanna if you wanna you know compete you gotta eat the plastic so to speak and yeah make, yeah make a marvel movie or make yeah. a big movie i don't it's know it's more despairing we'll in a way i understand <laughs> In this movie is just this weird, you know, it just kind of ends on this weird triumphant kind of thing. And because I, I think what Billy is getting at, and I, I loved his review. I thought it was beautifully written, as usual. Uh, his stuff is always great. And what's weird about the movie is that as much as it is very close to the original, as you say, it also, like, Cruz is different now than he was in 1986. Like, his persona is no longer really, and I think Bill, I'm probably just ripping off what Bill is saying. His persona in the late 80s is like, this cocky young guy who's the best at some very specialized skill but has to learn to like apply it in a more disciplined way so he can be the best in a way that helps people or is slightly less obnoxious that never really carries carries across because it never really sticks that he's doing anything he never he never the movie never ends in those movies and makes me think oh now he's doing something useful and helping people he's just like improved somewhat he's like a somewhat nicer dickhead who's still the best at something or you know he gets even better at it it's, it's interesting. It's interesting as a star text. And then, in, but, but the thing is, Cruz's, Cruz's persona now as a nearly 60 year old man is not because it can't be the young cocky guy who's the best. He's still the best. But now, like the Mission Impossible sort of Ethan Hunt persona now, and this was not even necessarily what was going on in 1996 when he made the first Mission Impossible. But now the persona is the, yeah, it's the, la like you said, the last guy, the last movie, the last guy who's standing between us and oblivion. No pun intended on the previous movie he made with Joseph Kaczynski, one of his go-to guys now. Uh, he's like the last man standing. And he is kind of kind of nobly self-sacrifice 
to, you know, save the world, to save movies, to do whatever. It's got this kind of, you know, daredevil messiah complex. So, yeah, in some ways really has grown in that it's it's no longer, you know, it's no longer as abstract. It doesn't feel as like self-centered um, directly as it did in Top Gun or Days of Thunder, where it's like, who cares if you win the fucking race or are the best Navy pilot? Like, it's all abstract. I think now, I read that Top Gun, the guys who made it, maybe it was Bruckheimer, maybe it was Tony Scott. They said they structured Top Gun like a sports movie. Uh-huh. And in, in that, like, they they only, they invented this, like, structure of, like, Top Gun or whatever it is. <laughs> like, the best of the best, just because they needed something for them to fight for as, like, a, you know, as, like, to make it, like, a sports movie. There's, yeah. like, a goal they're trying to achieve. Anyway. Yeah. So, no, it's, and that is, yeah, that's, like, that's how, why it matches so well with Days of Thunder, which is an actual sports movie. The funny, that's why the funniest is Cocktail, where the sport is pouring drinks yes exactly <laughs> and I, that to me is funnier and, and uh, more entertaining because it's sort sort of more it doesn't exactly admit that that's a stupid thing that he's good at but like it, it comes closer than <laughs> the top gun or days of thunder um and color well Bunny's top gun well cocktail didn't have the you know brunt of the u.s military budget behind yeah it. the might the u.s military might behind it and now, so Cruz's persona is now much more monkish. It's much less mm-hmm. cock of the walk. It's now much more like the, the kind of stoic savior. You know, it's Jack Reacher. It's, it's later period Ethan Hunt. He will do what needs to be done and, you know, minimize body count. And he'll sacrifice himself and he'll still come out of it alive because he's the best. So it's still about him being the best. And it's still like an extreme act of self-love and, and self-glorification. But there's this kind of veneer of sacrifice. And that's what Top Gun Maverick is able to bring into it, because now he's teaching the next generation how to be as good as him rather than him learning to be his best self. And that's interesting. And it certainly it it certainly dovetails well with the fact that the plot of this movie is essentially just continuing the plot of the other. It's like Echo, you know, he's like you said, he's coming to terms with the same death he comes to terms with in the first movie. Um, So it kind of makes sense as like a diptych with the with the first one. It's new Cruz transitioning finally to old Cruz, kind of going back and saying, now Maverick is the guy. So reconciling Maverick from 1986 to Cruz in, in 2022, whatever year it is. Um, but the thing is, to me, there's other movies that do that stuff and do it a lot more excitingly. I think the Mission Impossible movies are like ridiculous self-glorification for Cruz, but at least they're just like crackerjack spy movies with great set pieces. And this has that too. And like, I love the you know real pilot stuff. But to me, it's almost like you're just it, the realness of it is more what you're watching than the actual character doing something. You know what I mean? Like in Mission Impossible, you're watching Cruz actually learning to fly, you know, actually flying a helicopter. But he's doing like getting the MacGuffin and there's like at least a nominal suspense in it. In Top Gun Maverick, I don't know. I didn't feel that much suspense because you're mostly just watching real actors pilot planes. And it's cool. It's interesting. and It looks great on IMAX. But like I was sort of like, what's the suspense here? I mean, yeah, they're going on, they're flying a mission that's a very tight scrape, but it's just to me, it doesn't amount to that much suspense. And I think if you want to watch a movie where Cruz makes that tradition transition from fully from like the cocky young man who's you know has a shit eating grin to the self sacrificing soldier, just watch Edge of Tomorrow, where he also gives a real performance and has connects with another person in it. And does it all a much faster. <laughs> like the movie's like two hours long instead of two twenty. And it just I don't know, I find it more involving. I watched it again this week because I was writing a bit about the cruise. And I love that movie. I think it's so terrific. 
and such a great use of crews and it like has movie star crews and also actor crews now i kind of feel like and i i love i do love the kind of cruise persona and his stuff that's like beyond the acting stuff but i do watch these movies sometimes especially with top gun and go all right dude like instead of learning to pl- fly a bunch of fucking planes how about you do some acting in a movie you know what i mean like maybe like work on that part like <laughs> Like, think about, like, your actual craft, which is not actually flying a fucking plane. And I, I do love hearing the Daredevil story. Like, I, McQuarrie came out before my Mission Impossible screening last time and talked about how Cruz taught himself to fly a helicopter and worked 18-hour days to do that. And that's and it was crazy and cool to hear that it shows in the movie. But there is a certain point where it's just him flying planes. And I think Top Gun Maverick is that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much about it. Yeah, I mean, you definitely are because to <laughs> me, yes, you're describing it as it is for sure. But like that to me is awesome. Like, like I watched, you know, when I watched Uncharted, I think my criticism was, yeah, movies almost fun, but like you realize they're just standing in front of a green screen and it looks like shit. And yeah. if this starred Tom Cruise, he'd really be flying that ship around. And for this sure. movie gives you that. It's like, okay, you want to see a movie? Here's uh you know two hours of dudes in planes flying around edited and you know directed very well and cut cut excitingly enough like the training sequences are all really fun i thought and like what's 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 surprising about this movie to me is how funny it is it's like probably the funniest (laughs) more i've laughed in this movie than most like comedies or blockbusters and that's just like baked into like the inherent silliness of everything like in the movie star performance of tom cruise like the opening scene when like he's doing you know flying his mach 10 plane or whatever when he's not supposed to and we all know he's gonna keep going and like yeah no it's 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 also a warmer movie than the first one i found which really does go a long way like why i was able to enjoy it it's like it has a kind of sweeter and more reflective tone than the kind of bullshit of the first one and that is reflected so i think people are overstating how funny it is like it's you know it's got some sort of like nice amusing moments i'm not sure if i laughed out loud a single time in this movie um Oh, and I like, definitely I like, did. Yeah. I like the, the crowd was going apeshit for the humor. They like applauded every time there was that's, a good joke. I mean, I think some of that is just like, I, don't, I just, that's just a part of my brain that this movie does not touch. And I liked a lot of the, you know, I like Miles Teller and other stuff. He doesn't really have that. He, like, he's really just doing this boilerplate thing. Everyone in this movie is I just mean, like, he, the fact that he just, they're like, put him in a Hawaiian shirt, give yeah. him a mustache, just like yeah. make him little goose. We're yeah. going to call him rooster. People yeah. are going to cry. And it's like, yeah. it worked. God damn it. So I don't know how to explain. This is one of those. I love talking about shit like this where it's like there are so many movies I've probably chided for doing exactly what this movie does in that it's like a 30 years late sequel that just shamelessly is doing fan service. But I think there's I guess this movie would for me would be like an example of fan service done right. I'm like, I want to see. Do I want to see a Top Gun 2? Not really. But if you're going to do it do it right and then now i'm on the con- i'm convinced that this was a good idea i'm like yeah tom cruise was right to revisit this because movies don't have stunts anymore and and then you know we can talk about the military propagandaness of it all in a bit cuz i think it's a fascinating thing to talk about yeah um but i don't know i found that this movie in addition to just being like a crowd pleasing blockbuster that delivers what the audience wants from it I just thought, yeah, like it's it's so simple. It's just like there's barely any plot. It's just training montage, uh, you know, character faces adversity for a second, 
and then like the mission that they've been training for. And it's just so workmanlike that I think it's easy to forget how I don't know. I just think this is such this is what block this is the type of blockbuster I want. And I don't think we get movies like this anymore. I really I keep coming back to that. I'm like, I can't remember the last time a movie was like this exciting and like a you just gotta see it on a big screen sort of way. Like no CGI heavy movie feels that way for me. And that's what we've gotten as blockbusters for so long. So I think that's doing a lot of heavy lifting for sure. Um, the training montages, you know, uh, just re- reminded me of playing the NES game, which, <laughs> uh, was impossible. And I Googled it and it turns out this was a universal thing, but the game opens with you trying to like, you shoot a few planes and then you are supposed to land on an aircraft carrier. And I've never once landed the plane on the <laughs> aircraft carrier. And like, that's just like the opening mission. You're not Tom Cruise. goddamn. I know. I like, like I like that there's that a video easy. game where the whole point is like, you can't do this. You're not the guy from the movie, fucker. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. It would be hilarious if that was the only mission. It was like, to me, it was. I spent yeah. my entire youth trying that game for a few rounds and then moving on to something else because it was so fucking frustrating. I really, um, I, I really yeah. did like Monica Barbaro um, as Phoenix, and even um, and Lewis Pullman as Bob. I would just want to shout them out because I thought they were like. Like, I just, like, I wouldn't have minded spending more time with these new recruits because they were, most of the actors are likable and, and good. Did you notice that Manny Jacinto is supposed to be one of the young pilots and he's yeah, in the he's background in of a couple shots, but he's just not in the movie anymore? Yeah. Nice job. Um, um. <laughs> Bilga asked Kaczynski about that and he just said, you know, it's one of those things where you're editing the movie and roles get reduced. It has nothing to do with the person or the actor, just, like, focusing on the story and... You know, we had to cut a lot of cool stuff, and yeah. that was got, his whole role got cut. Yeah, poor. I feel for the guy. Although, yeah, I feel for the guy hour. who trained for years for this movie. And it's a two-hour yeah. and twenty-minute movie, so you figure, Jesus Christ, you're going to make this movie two thirty, like you know, to get in two more bit smaller players. Um, it's a, it's, it's, it's rough out there. Uh, I mean, I think doesn't this? Be- what am I? I can't think of on top of my head, but like, how many remake sequel things? of late are, are just about like the new team training the new the uh the old team training like a new generation yeah isn't that true. like well, every remake well lately yeah i don't think i like more i think another thing that i like i think it's just like there were so many movies watching this where i was thinking of like yeah this is doing something sort of like edge of tomorrow or mission impossible and i don't like it as much another thing kind of on the other opposite of the spectrum and more on the sports movie side is creed a movie i absolutely loved and i don't love have any creed. great love you know similar to top gun like i mean i like the rocky movies more than i like top gun uh but i didn't i didn't, I didn't grow up with them like i think rocky 4 is genuinely a piece of shit i don't think it's like a cute cold war like artifact that's like campy and delightful i think it's like genuinely a boring incompetent stupid movie um and let me that's not the first rocky's good and the third rocky's fun and there's like i like actually a lot of the rockies but like i get i'm just saying i didn't have like the nostalgia for rocky particularly i like watched the rocky movies like the week leading up to me watching creed <laughs> i didn't you know have a long-standing uh, love affair with them but i found creed so electric and moving and like uses a lot of like kishy yep, rocky stuff in a, yep, in a serious absolutely. way oh yeah it's like the best male weepy movie i mean i'm not that sure ladies cried to that too but i feel like every dude i know is like yeah i cried at creed um i yeah, wished i saw I, it i got at teary at top gun too a couple times but I, just, not in the creed way 
it didn't move me the way that Creed did. And I just think like having seen that movie relatively recently, again, it feels recent to me, even though it was seven years ago. <laughs> this has only been a Creed 2 and, and I guess a 3 coming. Yeah, Creed um, 2 I was is just, bad. I forgot about that. Oh, I, it's okay. I think it's okay. But like, uh, it's, it's, it's forgettable as, in that yeah, I do not remember is, anything is, that happened. In it. it is literally forgettable, especially compared to the first one, which which we all remember as. Which uh, like I remember seeing twice in theaters, which I hadn't done in years for a movie and telling everyone in my life, like, you got to see Creed. You got to yeah. go see Creed. I, I went to see it at a press. I even I saw it at a press screening and there was still like when <laughs> I'm going to like choke myself up here. But when he's on the he's on the mat and like he's like flashing back to like, you know, he's thinking about his like motivations for doing this and he's, you know, prove I'm not a mistake. And then like the Rocky music kicks in just like a bar of it. Yeah. This was just in a, this was in a pre- like in the old Warner Brothers press room that had like 20 people in it. And like as much as I ever can in a press screening, people like went ape shit for it. Like it was so much, it was just so, like, you know, people wanted to like stand up and cheer at that part. It's such a great, Kugler, so it's good. It's a fantastic movie. And was he, did, did Stallone get nominated for that? Cause he should have. He did. He I didn't win. He, he lost to Mark Rylance, but he did get nominated. And he, I'm is glad he got nominated. I remember thinking like he could actually win. He could maybe yeah, win. I th- he like, was there the was favorite a moment. to win. And, and, and he did. Yeah. I think, I think that people just don't probably don't like him as much as they like Mark Rylance, which fair enough. He seems like a, an oaf. Well, you, re- uh, you remember the famous, the famous, uh, the infamous, what is it? The, the sex tape or the, the tape from his trailer where, some chick is blowing him and he's like yeah uh, grab the shaft uh work the balls uh, oh god yeah. if you google oh, uh, no. stallone worked the shaft there's like an oral history of it somewhere i think i think mel magazine did an oral history of course of course oh uh, yeah um, grab the balls uh, you gotta work the shaft uh yeah oh oh yeah oh go see creek in theaters now oh Sorry. Screenplay by Sylvester Stallone. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm Andrew Dice Clay now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, you know, Hickory not... Dickory Doc. Sorry. <laughs> it's not Top Gun Maverick's fault that it's not Creed. I'm just talking about the movies I was thinking about during it. And look, that I was even watching a Top Gun sequel, thinking of Creed and Mission Impossible instead of wanting to die. I, is a huge yeah. achievement. Yeah, that's the thing. I think this movie is so. I enjoyed this movie so much, and like I had just watched Top Gun for the first time a year ago, two years ago. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, I think I gave like a two and a half star review on Letterboxd and was like, yeah, whatever. I don't really get it. Like, I know it looks nice and all the things that you said, basically. And now after seeing it, like, I'm like, is it good? Do I have to yeah. rewatch it again? <laughs> yeah, should I like, go back? I, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I will report back on doing it because I just was at the Best Buy and bought the 4K because it has all this great, you know, commentaries and features on it. And I am, I would watch a six part documentary on how they made Top Gun. Um, but I don't know if the original I would think is good now or anything. I just, I'm trying to figure out why that one still sucks and this one is good. Like, there, that's the argument a lot of people are making, right? what the wait sorry that what, the old one is bad but the new one is good yeah I, I i am surprised how many of the raves are coming from people who are don't particularly care for the first one uh, i do think that most i mean it makes sense you can kind of chart it out if you like the first one you seem to people seem to love this one and if you love the first one this is maybe the first movie the best movie you've ever seen <laughs> yeah. um uh, so i get it, it makes sense like if you're you know it, like I kind of I get that even if some people would not have care, like who are in my boat of like being indifferent at best to the first one you would still really flip for this because it is kind of a feels a little more analog than something we're used to now and 
just seeing it on the big screen and maybe some of these people haven't seen top gun on the big screen i certainly haven't uh but i don't know it's 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 just a leap that i couldn't quite i mean i i would be i am a marginal thumbs up on it like i'm a yeah kind of like a begrudging like yeah go see it at the movie theater like it's certainly worth your you know your uh stubs for the month like you can see yeah. it in imax it's gonna look great uh, i just didn't like feel that like extra bump like i got the, i certainly got the bump from like a movie i think is pretty bad to a movie that i enjoyed well enough um but i but i didn't get like the uh you know the kind of extra elation a lot of people are getting from it cruise apparently like made all these actors go through like a three-month boot camp where they did like <laughs> underwater evacuation and aerial training and you know stuff about fly like in flying in aircrafts and they actually had to learn how to run the cameras because they were the only ones up there and had to like direct themselves while they were flying so some of these actors had to learn like lighting and cinematography and editing and all this crazy shit and if you're there's like 68 pages of press notes and if you read them you basically get the impression that like you know like any actor of this stature tom cruise and the directors admit it like uh, Kaczynski would say as much, but like Tom Cruise essentially di- shadow directed this movie along with yeah. Joseph Kaczynski um, is so involved in the production. Um, there's a, you know, a lot to talk about with like Tom Cruise and, you know, he just opened this movie to, it's going to open huge. And like, that is, it does feel like he is the last type of, you know, the last movie star, as all these profiles are saying. Um, I want to talk about the Val Kilmer thing in the movie, which is like Val Kilmer, we all know, is ill and um, he still makes an appearance in the movie. And when he first appears via text, I got to say, I did do a little groan of like, <laughs> we really just had, like, was it worth it to have him in here? If you got to have all these text conversations. But then he shows up and I did like the scene for the same reasons that bilga talks about in his article like that scene plays really well as tom cruise like there's maverick talking to himself and i found it very moving in that way especially where like there's one part where he doesn't type anything and he just you know leans on what he already said and tom cruise keeps talking and like there's something there's a meta layer there's like that meta-ness to this movie that wasn't there another recent movie where we talked about how like there's like a meta layer god it's so hard to keep track when you talk about so many movies every week yeah but <laughs> um there's another layer going on this movie of the, the the meta stuff with tom cruise and starring in movies and what this movie's about and his generation's over and like i love a movie that functions on you know multiple levels and is a crowd-pleasing blockbuster so you know for me i'm all thumbs up on top gun 2 i'm surprised to say i will report back and see if i still liked um the first one but I think it's pretty funny how shameless it is in terms of uh, remakeable stuff. Because I thought not only does I feel like a lot of people have pointed out that like the final mission is a lot like the Death Star plan right, right. in A New Hope, and like that's funny because like that wasn't even the Star Wars comparison I made when I saw it. I thought I'm like, oh, this F14 moment is like the Millennium Falcon Force Awakens moment. Where it's yeah. like a, for me, like a real force, like, oh, what's this doing here? <laughs> and it's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's the iconic vehicle from the last movie. And like, and when I saw this movie, you know, that moment got applause. And it's like, why aren't I making fun of the crowd like I would if a Marvel person cheered when like Spider Man from Dimension X showed up? Like, why am I also clapping like a seal? Um, I don't know. Like, this movie is deeply silly. And I enjoyed. 
I just was on its wavelength. I guess it's a matter of if you're on its wavelength, you're going to enjoy the ride. And if you're at all cynical about um, the movie or I don't know, I don't know if you're cynical about it, Jesse, but if you're at all <laughs> batting an eye at it, uh, the first one or like, I don't know, I guess there's uh, there's only so much some can take on this movie. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I just I guess I think. There's also, maybe this is putting too much on other people, and I don't think this is the case with you, because I talk about movies with you every week, and you're always enthusiastic about lots of different stuff. But I feel like some of this, there are some strains uh, that I think maybe this is why I find some of it hard to take, of people who are sort of like terminally unimpressed by like movies, and suddenly being like, oh, but Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick. And it's like, I don't know, I just felt like, yeah, this I don't feel like this is the only cool movie I've seen in the past month let alone year let alone you know whatever two years <laughs> like I, yeah I you know what i mean was, like and you're yeah. you're more enthusiastic about th- about things in general so i don't i but i think so they're just care. some yeah. friends on my feed people who i genuinely like are just kind of like treating like this is the you know this kind of like event of the lifetime or lifetime and i was sort of like i don't know man like i i don't think that, like you know i like i don't know i just feel like i see like certainly the art of making big blockbuster movies is is sort of changing and and, and has produced plenty of kind of like forgettable uninspired stuff or stuff that doesn't look as good as it should but i don't know i just like i don't think i was particularly thirsty for this movie because i was like yeah you know when i for that kind of stuff i look to mission impossible or you know or john wick even has good stunts and like shootouts and stuff uh and that stuff i don't know maybe i'm just like uh emotionally immature and i don't have any like <laughs> don't any have any use for the i thought i really liked dad movie stuff but this so i was like nah i don't know it's kind of like it's kind of fusty like compared to like just a good action movie it's almost too convinced of its own nostalgic importance to be like a really great action well movie. yes I, that's what i want to get to i think it was dowd who said you know it treats top gun with an almost religious devotion as if it were a sacred text which is the exact line of criticism i lobbed and probably you lobbed at ghostbusters afterlife so like this makes me want to examine why did ghostbusters afterlife not work for me even though you know what it almost did work for me though like i i i didn't i was like two and a half for you were probably like one and a half on that movie you know yeah i was like two i was like two and i feel a little more affection for it after seeing my kid enjoy it (laughs) but yeah i'm not yeah but like why would why do you think that some people who didn't like ghostbusters or chided it for the exact same like treating your original movie as sacred text like why does that work here and i have an answer and my answer i guess is that to me ghostbusters has always been it's fucking ghostbusters it's deeply silly yeah Um, and this movie is too but in a totally different way but like top gun you can't deny its cultural importance in that it's a movie that is like name recognition everyone knows it uh i think it ended up like familiarizing like expressions that we all say like uh you're 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 writing a check your ass can't cash or whatever the line is from the original movie there's like a handful of lines like that 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 this movie probably put in the lexicon and this movie like iconically however you feel about it it's true that this movie um was authorized by like the you know u.s defense department's entertainment media office and it's like an iconic example of a movie that, um, you know, the U.S. military gave them all the equipment for at a very low price. And like by doing that, they like had script input and were able to like change the manner of how Goose died even. And like it is this watershed moment in film history and how 
the U.S. military works with these things. And, like, that's something that still exists, obviously, today. Top Gun 2 exists and has all the same things, the same deal that they had there. And, you know, people chided Captain Marvel because Captain Mar- uh, Marvel works with the Air Force on those movies. And, like, it's just something that I feel like now it gets talked about more than it used to. Um, but, like, Top Gun had that impact on culture to the point of, I think it was number one for like seven months. You know, it was one of those movies that lingered in theaters for seven months. Yeah, yeah. And made um hundred seventy six million dollars in nineteen eighty six. Yeah. Um, it's for seven months like, in the box office, like, it, it's the same about as doing about five hundred million domestic. Yeah, today. So it basically like a Star was, Wars amount of money. <laughs> and it was like this huge cultural phenomenon of a movie, and like obviously there's video games and things that inspired, but it also, it's also uh historically referenced as like a recruitment bonanza for the military military recruiting stations were set up outside movie theaters. Others enlisted on their own interest in the armed forces rose that year. It's unclear how much, um, but Naval aviator applications were claimed to have increased 500%. Like, so this movie is a hundred percent of like, and you know, it's, it's U S military propaganda. And what do you like? There's so much to unpack here. I didn't even let you answer the first question, which I intimated basically the question the first question is ghostbusters versus top gun and then question two is we'll talk about does the military uh uh jingoism or everyone whatever you want to call it the rah-rah this is a look at how badass america's uh very expensive weaponry is oh that's question two so tackle question one well yeah with ghostbusters i mean i get it like because i did enjoy this and i did find i was irritated by ghostbusters and i think you're right it's kind of a it's the changing of tone the kind of to add the honeyed reverence of nostalgia. And like, I should in theory be interested in a movie that like in a sequel that says, well, we're going to do a different tone than the first one or, you know, which is kind of nice, but Ghostbusters to me is so wrapped up in like comedy and personality that to do like kind of essentially a non comedic version. That's very reverential. It just seems like yeah, the, the height ridiculous. of, of and wankery like, to me. Yeah. <laughs> if Ghostbusters had real life stunts with real ghosts, or uh, you know anything that res- <laughs> uh, that res- that you know ticks the box that made uh, why this movie works for me you know yeah. that would bring it around. But I guess it's another reason. Top Gun has actual value of like cinematic blockbuster cinema. Like this is it has value to me. Whereas Ghostbusters treats the movie treats Ghostbusters like a sacred text and doesn't give me anything that um, you know makes me think of the sacred text with reverence. It just yeah. is like here's this thing you liked reheated and worse. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, there's just like, it's kind of feels more flattering. I mean, I think they both flatter for people for being fans, but like Ghostbusters is, is after Ghostbusters afterlife is more intent on flattering people for remembering and liking Ghostbusters. And then as to the military thing, I do think it's weird. I mean, I'm not going to name names here, but like there are definitely some like professional Twitter leftists who, hate the marvel universe because it is a tool of you know of u.s uh, military and u.s military uh, yeah exactly and who are just like waving off the an actual military recruitment movie is like ah but it's all in good fun and i know it's like part of it yeah i mean it's just like yeah you guys are just doing a bit i get it like you're not really fucking you're just mad at marvel for lots of reasons and you've just chosen that's what annoys you and this doesn't i mean i have to have cognitive dissonance here like i enjoy this movie i think it's probably problematic that a bunch of kids will watch this and join the military because they think it looks cool 
Yeah, in this in this one, I will say yeah. I do. It maybe I don't know if just because I liked it more, but it plays in a, in a, in a ways that are both kind of reckless and weirdly interesting, and makes it maybe easier to watch if you don't really love military jingoism. It's kind of even more abstracted. Their mission feels much more concrete. They're like, we're gonna go blow up this thing that oh, that is it's gonna, hilarious you know, the lengths they go through to not name the country they're attacking. Yeah, they're also. not. You're not gonna tell you what country they're going to, who the people are, what the what forces they. You know, they're all in Star Wars just style. Uranium, bitch. Yeah, they're just uh, they're basically X-wing fight or not uh, Tie fighters that they're that they're going up against. And the first Top Gun does that too, but this one it feels like even more abstracted in terms of like this isn't even like. It's it's like it's a weirdly sparse movie. I, Bill Bilga pointed this out. There's like you don't see anyone else. You know what I mean? Like there, yeah. There's a bar that's full of people, but they're all like it's mostly military guys. It's just like this weird world where there isn't anyone but this small elite team of fight. You don't even see the rest of the military really. You're just seeing this like small group of like twenty people who have to defend. You know, it's like if they're at a loan out. It's like also post post apocalyptic. They're defending the lost outpost of of America, and uh, in, in that way the first one feels a little more insidious because it feels a little more like, yeah, come kick ass with the military. And this one is a little more about like, well, Tom Cruise is going to make a noble sacrifice to train these people who are the best. And like, and he might, he's going to put his life on the line. It's a little more in a weird way. Uh, it almost, almost, it comes close to saying, look, you can't do the only Cruise can do this. You know I mean? Like that is, yeah. the, the if you're text. not Tom Cruise, don't bother. Do, do not attempt Right. Yeah. And the, whereas the first one's more like, maybe you can, you too can join the military and kick ass. This one's like, ah, uh, no, you have to, t- you have to have, you literally have to have Tom Cruise. You really have to have Pete Maverick Mitchell leading you. Uh, so in a way it's like almost, it feels more harmless, even though I do think people, people are maybe being a little morally cowardly in terms of like, I'm going to slag on Captain Marvel, Marvel. Cause it's a bunch of girl boss bullshit about advertising the air force. Also, I love this movie where they bomb an unknown country <laughs> and you're just taking it on, and, on faith. And no Americans right. die. No, and, nothing yeah. bad happens. Yeah, it's like yeah. a zero body count situation. Uh, and even the leader who is risking his own life does not lie. You know, I don't, did, yeah. did it really take me out of the movie? No, because I already expected that from Top Gun. <laughs> but yeah. it's... It, it kind of comes with the material, no. <laughs> for yeah. sure. Uh, so yeah. to be clear, like, the military has been uh, assisting the movie industry for as almost as long as it's existed. Um, they've been around for almost a hundred years. They actually assisted the very first movie to win an Academy Award for best picture. Do you know the name of that movie, Jesse wings? Yes. Mm-hmm. The movie wings, 1927 with, drama, with Tim Daly and, uh, and Thomas Hayden church um, and uh, Paul McCartney. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> love take me down to the streets <laughs> it's not a wing song uh that's a role models joke for everybody um so top gun you know it wasn't until the mid 80s that the dod entertainment media office earned its stripes that film is the original top gun it's really the first thing people think about when they think about this job the guy who holds the job of uh, the retired Air Force lieutenant who leads the Department of Defense Entertainment Media Office. Uh, one of the, Top Gun was one of the largest projects that DOD has ever supported. Turned out to be influ- it's so influential, it set the blueprint for a new kind of blockbuster. It's using Hollywood star power with the U.S. military's firepower. Think Black Hawk Down, Transformers, or American Sniper. Detractors call this the military entertainment complex. But before Top Gun could break the pop culture barrier, it first had to become airborne. Um, the Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson, who had already created mega hits like Flashdance and Beverly Hills Cop, 
they set to deliver maximum action. Their source material was an article in California Magazine, which charted the highs and lows of budding pilots at the Navy Fighter Weapons School known as Top Gun. Uh, they hired Tony Scott, blah, blah, blah. Um, now they needed military-grade equipment. As Times revealed in 1986, the DOD offered them a sweet deal. For $1.8 million, they would have the use of the entire Miramar Naval Air Station, as well as four aircraft carriers and about two dozen F-14 Tomcats, F-5 Tigers, and A-14 Skyhawks, some flown by real-life Top Gun pilots. So it's unlikely the film could have ever gotten made without the Pentagon's considerable budget. A single F-14 Tomcat cost $40 million. The total budget for Top Gun was 15. Huh. Uh, and in exchange for DOD backing, the producers agreed to let the department make changes to the script. Maverick's buddy Goose no longer perished in a midair collision because, according to the Navy, too many pilots were crashing. Meanwhile, Ma- Maverick's love interest, Charlie, went from being a service member to a civilian because Navy regulations forbid officers and enlisted personnel from having relationships. Uh, these days, when collaborating on a movie, the Pentagon can still demand script rewrites out of concern for veracity. But the guy who runs the office says, we don't meddle in the artistic process. When I get a script, I don't change the story. I say, I may say this isn't authentic or this is wrong. He said he keeps four criteria in mind. Security, the film shouldn't give away state secrets. Accuracy, it should depict training and combat accurately. Policy, the characters should adhere to DOD rules. And pr- propriety, the film must protect the privacy of military personnel and their families. I have people say to me, oh, you guys, you tell me how... how pu- you, t- uh, you tell people how to run their movies. I would tell you, good luck telling Spielberg or Nolan or Bay how to run their movie. I don't think that's how it's going to go. Um, over the years, many Hollywood productions have benefited from the Pentagon's uh, money. For instance, the DoD charges $1 million for the use of an aircraft carrier in the sum of all fears, something that should have cost $4 million. Um, Top Gun came out in May 86 during Reagan's second presidential term. The specter of Vietnam no longer haunted the nation. Patriotism was hip, and Top Gun served it in spades. The film conquered the box office as well as the hearts and minds of young Americans. Uh, following its release, as I mentioned, application, applicants to become naval aviators reportedly jumped 500% and capitalized on the on the craze. Enterprising Navy recruiters set up stands outside theaters. Um, and, you know, it inspired copycats in China, which we like always make fun of here, like Wolf Warrior, a movie that ends that and, and the tagline or the tagline for it was anyone who offends China will be killed no matter how far the target is. <laughs> so, like, that's not very subtle, but neither is ours. Right. Um, <laughs> right we right. can't we can't really chide anyone. Um, and there's a David Sirota article from 2001 or 2011 about this, about. Uh, how Top Gun unleashed a flood of pro-war movies like Armageddon to Pearl Harbor to Battle L.A. What a reference. Battle L.A. Uh, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, Tom Cruise told Playboy in 1990, some people felt that Top Gun was a right-wing film to promote the Navy, and a lot of kids loved it, but I want the kids to know that's not the way war is. Then he added, without the benefit of, the gl- of a glimpse of the future, that's why I didn't go on and make Top Gun 2 and 3 and 4 and 5. That would have been irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's an article on the military uh, and Top Gun in the Washington Post. There's also a really great one by Allison or yeah, Al- uh, Alyssa Wilkinson at Vox. That is quite good. Um, any more words on Top Gun? Uh, as I mentioned, you know, this movie is definitely like following a rubric of how to please the fans of Top Gun and also just like make the same movie but modern it's kind of like a shameless like i would call it like a shameless boardroom movie but if the boardroom is one is run by tom cruise i'm all in <laughs> i love this crazy 
batshit man. And uh, I thought it was weird the scene where he gave all the recruits a copy of Dianetics. Though. That was weird. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he did give at least someone on the set of this movie a copy of Dianetics. That's yeah, how many? That's another, real. That's a stat we need for like in addition to budget. Like how many people did Tom recruit to Scientology on the set of this movie? <laughs> that should be a stat we get. All right, yeah. that's enough on Top Gun Two. Jump over to the Patreon if you want to hear more about the evolution of Eevee and um, <laughs> Pokemon and my interview with James Wan. It's there. I can't believe we got all the way through talking about Top Gun without talking about the fact that we do get a volleyball scene redux with a football scene on the beach. This movie knows exactly what it's doing. Uh, I also can't believe we didn't mention that a friend of the show, Matt Patches, did a tweet in 2010 about how Top Gun 2 would never happen. And, uh, you know, it did happen. And Matt Patches did eat a shoe. In response, Paramount Pictures sent him a, sh- uh, a, you know, a cake that looked like a shoe, but that wasn't good enough for Matt. He ate a real shoe. So Google that. Check it out on YouTube. Um, just wanted to mention those couple things about Top Gun that I forgot to mention. All right. Bye.
learn that death is not the end of the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. I was hoping you'd be back.